Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Chit Chat. On today's show, we're going to talk about Marvel in its entirety and everything else in between. Everyone creates the thing they dread. Men of peace create engines of war. Invaders create Avengers. People create children designed to supplant them to help them. It's another episode of the glorious, the the award-winning, uh, New York Times bestseller, The Chit Chat. I am Trey D. Price. You know what it is. Joining me is a good friend of mine, uh, a newbie in, in the Production 12 circles, R.J. Smith. Say hello to the people. Hey, everybody. My name is R.J. Trey, thanks for having me on here today. Oh, no problem, man. I, I love having you face around. You know, me and R.J., we're both great fans of film. So we usually just like he comes over, we we work on, you know, a project or, you know, working on a project or something like that. And then it just ends up me and him talking about any or talking and arguing about a point on any given movie for like three hours. Then I realized he got to go because I'm hungry. I'm tired of fighting with this man. But uh, and I think we're going to get a, a something like that today. Hopefully not for three hours. Hopefully we won't be doing another three hour argument like yeah like last night's uh but it will be a repeat of actually what we talked about last night i better not be sweating tonight man because last time i, I need a fucking towel <laughs> that's how that honestly I mean, sweat all over my fits shit exactly that well i mean that see that's a good mark of a good conversation though you know uh today we're actually going to be talking about uh the marvel universe the the mcu as it was because we are coming up on the last film uh, Captain Marvel before the end of this arc, this uh, more than 10 year uh, storyline that they've been weaving. So we want to talk about we want to talk about our thoughts on it, you know, maybe our favorite films, what's going on, we're going to make some predictions. Uh, we're going to, you know, we're just going to have a little chit chat and we're going to chill. Then we got some other stuff going on down the pipeline, but we'll get to that when we get to that, because the most important thing is the best films since Forrest Gump. So, my, RJ, tell me what are what are your thoughts right now on the MCU? Like after it comes, you you've seen have you seen Captain Marvel yet? I have not seen Captain Marvel yet, but I've heard you know all these like, great things about it. But I can kind of get an idea. I kind of have an idea of like what's been going on and especially what goes on in the film. So I can kind of make some some ideas. About oh, you can make some ideas about it. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay, you can make some guesstimations. I mean, if you want to put it like that, then sure, but... <laughs> I mean, how, how else would you go put it? I mean, you ain't seen the film, so you know. how you, your, your words ain't going to be for sure. You're going to look at my face, and I ain't going to give nothing away because I'm stone cold. Okay, but we're going to spoil the rest of it, right? Because I have seen the rest. Yeah, we're going to spoil, actually, a lot of it. So, people, if you haven't seen uh, any of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I'm talking about from Iron Man up to... Uh, Ant-Man and Wasp. I'm, trying not, I'm gonna try not to say too much about Captain Marvel because it is uh, a more recent film. It just came out, so I'm gonna try to keep the spoilers uh, minimum to none. Uh, but anything before that is fair game. So like Ant-Man and Wasp, up to Iron Man, fair game. So this is your time. Get out. Yes, you, ma'am, in the back with the baby, been crying this whole entire time. Yes, I'm talking <laughs> about you. Get out. She gone. No, for real, she gone because I swear to God, I owe her child support. Is she gone? <laughs> okay, all right, cool. So we can get so okay, so we can get started. All right, so RJ, what are your what are your thoughts on the MCU right now? 
Oh man, um, I mean, let's. I mean, we're gonna talk about the entire. We gotta go all the way back, honestly, mm-hmm. just to get up. So Iron Man obviously came out in two thousand eight, literally out of nowhere, honestly, because at that time we hadn't had some so-so superhero films. We just came off of Spider Man three mm-hmm. and a mm, controversial pick, um, picture to say the least. And so when you have Iron Man, like this uh, C-list tier superhero coming out of nowhere, becoming mainstream, you think to yourself, uh, you know, it could be good, could be bad. Obviously, Robert Downey Jr. is coming out of his, you know. Um, controversial line of drugs and you know abuse mm-hmm. and whatnot so then all of a sudden um you know iron man comes out and honestly blows everybody away um funny enough i actually didn't get to see it when it first came out but i eventually watched um iron man 2 and that was the first mcu movie i got introduced to really and uh fun fact um during the i was waiting the entire week to go watch um iron man 2 but the thing is my mom knew about that she's like have you seen the first one i was like no well i'm not gonna let you go see it unless you see the first one I'm like are you serious I'm like yeah so we had just got an Netflix account, and the first thing I ordered was Iron Man. So I was hoping, I was praying to God, like, please come in, please come in. I waited an entire week. I was so afraid. I didn't think I wasn't going to see it. Luckily, as I came home on Friday, Iron Man 1 came in. I watched it as soon as I got home. I watched it just before my friends came to pick me up. And I, my mom was like, okay, you seen the first one? Yeah, you can go. So I watched Iron Man 2 that night, and I had a blast. That is amazing that your mom was the gatekeeper for you watching uh the other iron man uh film in the theater that's that's actually amazing you don't really you don't really hear a lot of stories about that because my my own mom is the reason why i'm into comic books and stuff Mm -hmm. like that because we used to watch the adam west batman show together when we when i was younger okay and you know watch batman like she was a she was a real big batman head uh, before even I, because you know I was a little, I was young and I ain't know nothing. Mm-hmm. She's like, "Boy, you better sit down and watch this Batman. We about to <laughs> watch this man beat up colorfully costumed criminals together." And I'd run around the house of the town, and it's all because of her. So that's that's really awesome to hear, actually. Yeah. So I mean, obviously, you know, my mom's honestly not that big in comic books, but she, was, for some reason, we, we, me and my family, have this thing about consistency. It's like, if you're gonna watch the second, you have to watch the first one. It's kind of a law. It's like. My my dad was like, RJ, have you seen the Godfather? I've seen a bit of two. You haven't seen one? No. Okay, we're watching the first one first. Then we watch the second one. I'm like, okay, okay. Oh my god, I might have accidentally been born in your family. I also can't do that. Like, I can't do something out of sequence. It feels so weird. Mm-hmm. I actually did that with the Artemis Fowl book. I read the second one before the first one, and Ooh. I didn't know there was a first one. So I was like, yo, what was happening in this book? What's going on? Oh my god. Um, but anyways, going back to MCU. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, ever since then, it's been a ride. I'll tell you that. Um, that definitely has some ups and downs in Phase 1 in particular. You know, you have Thor, which was standard, I would say so. Captain America, First Avenger, you know, that was pretty standard as well. But um, honestly, nowadays, I feel like it's a bit underrated because the style of, you know, the 1950s, and um, 1940s, 50s, like in World War uh, Two, I think that style is, like, really fresh. And there's not that many MC movies that kind of replicate that kind of time period mm-hmm. uh, sense as well. And then, obviously, you know, we got to talk about the big one, um, the Avengers. The Avengers. Uh, so, um, like, I've mentioned this to you before, but I remember it was one of my best uh, theater experiences where literally that one circle shot of all the heroes coming together mm-hmm. at long last, and it was just a blast. And, obviously, when you have Loki gone, it says, send the rest. The Pretty much, to me, that was like, okay, this thing, this shit is about to get real. Mm-hmm, that's when it pops off. And then, literally, the last 20-so minutes is probably, like, some of the greatest just pure fun i've had in a movie theater everyone mm-hmm. everyone cheering um obviously whole game the smackdown not just loki but thor and we talked about you know loki mm-hmm. game um uh, which thor game punched by um hulk that shit still has me fucking geeking i want to talk about that because we have this thing in superhero films like every every superhero like people like to talk about the mcu having a formula and how they follow that formula discreetly but a lot of the avengers what made that special is that it followed the formula 
but it also expanded upon that formula. So we've yeah. had the formula of uh, in a superhero film, especially in an origin film, which while being a sequel, the Avengers also is an origin film. Mm-hmm. It has to be an origin for this team, pretty much them coming together, you know, doing the whole superhero thing of fighting each other before teaming up together. Uh, in older superhero films, you have this, uh, you have the introduction, the backstory, them intermittently fighting some thugs or villains or whatnot. And then ultimately this big climactic battle with, uh, uh, uh the titular villain of the, not titular cause the movie's mm-hmm. not named that, but the, the major antagonist of said film here, I think you've had probably the longest final battle uh, to go on in a movie like that's really mm-hmm. big the first time and then it, it gets to that point where uh bruce banner comes in on the bike and like you said they do the he he does that that's my secret cap i'm always angry <laughs> and it punches the living mess out of the the giant chitauri like serpent monster and then loki goes send the rest and like send the rest it's been a good 10 minutes so far the movie ain't over yet no Let's go. It gets wilder. I don't know. I like. I like that. It's that's that's why one to me like the the Avengers is like my second favorite mm-hmm. of the MCU movies because just it's amazing. Broke the mold. It's funny that you mentioned um the like the long sequence of the last of the first Avengers uh because if you really think about it, there's not a whole lot of action in the first maybe two like first two parts of the uh, Avengers because. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have on and off action. Obviously, you have the opening sequence where you have Loki raid shield, you know, hypnotize a Hawkeye and whatnot. And then you have maybe a couple of fights, not too long. I mean, they're just kind of standard. Cap fights Loki, then Iron Man fights Thor. And after that, you kind of just have this long period of just just conversations, mm-hmm. which isn't bad because obviously you're trying to get these characters to interact and you know, just kind of just be people. And that's, I think that's great. But I think of what I loved about it too, because like you know, after a while, you're kind of like, okay, well, you know, we want the action to come back, why not? And then. Um, then suddenly, you know, we have this last, my uh, last big battle, and literally it makes up for all the fact that we just went so long without some action, honestly. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, I still like the quiet moments, but obviously, I feel like once we got to that big battle in New York, and you know, I feel like it made up for a lot of people's, um, you know, just people's like waiting for something like more action, and obviously they delivered. So I really think that's kind of funny to yeah. bring that up. You know, and there's so there is a lot of quiet in the in the original Avengers. Uh, and if we're sticking straightly with phase one right now, uh, it, it the whole of phase one, th- and this is of course like before, like pre Avengers, I didn't even think that Avengers was going to happen. Mm-hmm. I didn't think so D- because, like you said, we're coming off of Spider Man, you know, uh, which you know Spider Man one good, Spider Man two better, and then Spider Man three, which tries to throw in three different villains. Like at that point. I think it was one of the first movies to try to throw in like multiple villains at mm-hmm. one hero. Uh, two of you, I guess you count the green, uh, Harry Osborne, Goblin, yeah. whatever. Um, <laughs> but trying to throw in multiple characters in us in an ensemble format for the superhero genre was kind of like a a no no. Spider Man three kind of made that a no no. Mm-hmm. So before, like, I was excited. I didn't even see mentioning not seeing things in theaters. I didn't even see the after credits stinger. For Iron Man in the in the theaters, I saw it on YouTube afterwards because I didn't even know I didn't know that was gonna be like an after credits thing. You don't really see a lot of after credits things, and if you don't know about them ahead of time, you don't sit there and watch them. It isn't until Marvel continuously did that 
which is another thing that they just made like brought back into the popular because before then the only real after credit singers were the famous ones are Ferris Bueller, uh, maybe the one from from Airplane. Uh, I think there was one at the end of uh, the two thousand and three Godzilla movie. Oh, I have, I have not. I don't think I've seen that in years. It's honestly. really bad. Don't go, wa- go <laughs> back and watch it. But uh, no. Uh, so seeing Iron Man and being really excited that there's a good, not just a not just a good movie, but a good Iron Man movie. And then seeing on YouTube, uh, the Samuel Jackson, Nick Fury come out and say, you ain't the only superhero. And then going and watch the Avengers, like at first, in my mind, it is so weird that it is a complete reversal now of what it was back then. I thought DC would have been the first one to get uh, a superhero universe. That's crazy, I know. But, I mean, after watching three good Christopher Nolan Batman films, I was like, okay, they could build something off of this. They could build a universe off of this, and it would be real cool. And then you hear announcements of DC, like, yeah, we're about to do a DC Cinematic Universe, which may maybe came after the Avengers. I feel like there was some talk beside mm-hmm. of the Avenger, of the run-up to Avengers where DC was talking about making their Superman-centric DC Cinematic Universe. Um, but yeah, going to see Avengers the first time, I was... I was like a kid on Christmas, man. <laughs> like watching that cinematic special, we we almost got into a traffic jam trying to get to the theater <laughs> to watch this thing. You know what I mean? Like this, I cried when Thanos came at the end. At the end, at the end credits, when he turned around at that camera and smiled, I was like, "Lord, I'm out. I'm out. I can't do." It. I can't die now. Like, you know, you, you when you, you know, millennials, we don't care about nothing, right? And you just think, man, whatever, man, I can die tomorrow, don't even matter. No, I have to see what this leads up to, and now we're getting to that. So, it's funny you bring up the DCEU because, uh, honestly, I feel like it's still kind of funny that Marvel had a lot of limitations in making this universe because you have um, DC who has all their characters like under one roof mm-hmm. you know, they never had the whole, you know, studio, like you know, interference, you know, multiple studios own different characters. Right. You know, they had all of them. And then they've mostly put their faith on Batman. Cause like you said, the Christopher Nolan Batman's were uber successful. Obviously you can't remember. Um, people can't um, forget, you know, those classic gum scenes, especially with Joker, obviously dark Knight. I think it's still DC's like crying achievement mm-hmm. in terms of superhero films. But um, I think I remember it was around the time that Avengers was, like, getting trailers and whatnot. Um, I think they had just announced uh, Man of Steel mm-hmm. as, like, their first big, like, you know, universe um, cap- um, universe of topper because, you know, they want to keep up with Marvel because Marvel has you know, been slowly making money. Obviously, Iron Man's becoming a huge hit. Thor and Captain America proved better than a lot of people expected. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, um, and then I remember going to see Man of Steel opening day. Ever have just been like really mixed up back because the last Superman movie was uh, Superman Returns, mm-hmm. which honestly I don't mind as much as everybody else. Everyone you know gives that movie a lot of crap. It's bad, man. It's like it's like it depends how you look at it. It's like me personally, um, I know I know it's not like it's not perfect. It's far from perfect. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I had a, I had a fun time. Honestly, um, Kevin Spacey. I mean, as much as you know, I don't give him a lot of credit today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he was a solid um, Lex Luthor in all honesty. Yeah, man, with his plans of real estate development. Okay, honestly, yes. I in terms of like on um, like good depiction. I mean, as mm-hmm. close as far as his guy. I mean, obviously Gene Hackman, and then you have Jesse Eisenberg. Honestly, you know, we're not we haven't had a really faithful 
Lex Luthor yet, but I mean, if you were talking about the most enjoyable, I'm I'm sorry, I'm gonna say Kevin Spacey, honestly, in terms of the most enjoyable like Lex Luthor that we got. And then um, I don't know. I think it's okay. I don't think it's great. I mean, obviously, I can make pick a lot of flaws, but we're not here to talk about nitpicks. Man, about it. you're right. Like Stalker Superman. Okay, you know what? We'll come back to this another time because <laughs> I'm, just, I'm not trying, I'm not getting the conversation about Superman Returns, but. <laughs> I'm just saying that it's just kind of funny that Marvel worked with these limitations Mm -hmm. um, with that. Like, you know, they still, um, they're now just getting, you know, X-Men and Fantastic Four back. But before then, you know, it was like, there were big key parts of the, you know, the um, Marvel universe in the comics as far as I know. And, you know, it's just funny that they still managed to pull it off anyways. Mm -hmm. I think a lot has to go with uh, the fact that I think Kevin Feige just, I think he knows what he's doing. Well, yeah. And, And it's all, it's, and I've said this a million times before. But it is because Marvel Studios is comics first. Marvel film, Marvel's film division came from the comics division. Mm-hmm. So a lot of those ideas and thoughts and what to put into this comes from people who actually know what they're doing. Whereas DC, a lot of their film stuff comes from Warner Brothers, mm-hmm. which is a bunch of suits, ties, who don't really know the comic book movies, don't really know the comic book industry. Like, Marvel still has their, yes, their, you know... Uh, producers and whatnot that you know probably will make dumb decisions. I'm looking at the Netflix portion right now, <laughs> um, and stuff that will cause headaches, like the whole split between the TV and the television, and how that kind of got in their way a little bit. But no, that they're being uh, central. The central thought is taking these comics and bringing the heart and the feeling to the screen is the biggest proponent to why they did good yeah i agree with that and um you know i've only read like a few of the marvel comics um tra- sadly you know i didn't get to grow up with much of it but from what i read um i think it's uh, like you said i think they really put like the comics and like the character depiction first mm-hmm. above all else because you know they can get all like you know they can get like the art and the style like how they want to treat it but they always get the characters down first mm-hmm. i feel like if anything if you can look back even thor the dark world you know you can you know we'll get that eventually but i'm saying like if we're just going to talk about, you know, just character depiction, I feel like they still, you know, had an idea of what they wanted to do with these characters. Mm-hmm. Um, Thor, you know, Thor, I feel like is a, probably the most interesting of all the MCU characters because he has definitely had the most, like, change in terms of, like, how they wanted to depict him, though. It I is. Say. And let's talk about, let's talk about the, the Phase 2 movie. Okay. Because it kind of cements a lot of these characters, and some of them it doesn't, really. It, it cements how we feel. So, like, Iron Man 3 kind of cements this is the Tony Stark that we're going to get. He is worried about the shadow of Thanos right now because he, he he's seen beyond uh, all the problems on Earth. Everybody's problems at this point is kind of terrestrial. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Battle of New York doesn't really change that. When we see, except for Thor, because, you know, he comes from an extraterrestrial, you know, sort of plane. But Cap's worried about stuff, you know, worried about stuff with S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, Shields worried about stuff with Hydra. We're worried about other Hydra agents and, and whatnot. And especially at this point, we still have some connections with agents of Shields, so we can kind of take that loosely as you know they're worried about terrestrial problems or extraterrestrial problems coming to the terrestrial. Whereas Tony Stark is has just come face to face with a ship that he carried a missile to to explode is now worried about there are other things out there. There's mm-hmm. something out there that is going to come to Earth. And we are ill prepared, you know, and, and at, in the point of Iron Man three, he's having nightmares about this. Mm-hmm. So here is Tony Stark, uh, you know, changing himself 
trying to think of a plans. And I think this Iron Man three is a good example of how we get to age of Ultron, uh, Tony Stark and him thinking of ways to make the iron Legion and the iron Legion being the first, uh, stopgap measure against again, fighting another battle of New York. Uh, and then you have, you know, Thor the dark world, which I mean, it wasn't really like a great movie. <laughs> like it's an okay movie. Uh, it does kind of expand. I think the, the one good merit that Dor- Thor the dark world has that nobody really gives it is that it expands, uh, the extraterrestrial threat. Mm-hmm. The fact that there, one, it, it introduces another stone, the Aether, uh, which is whatever stone it is on the Infinity Gauntlet. Um, but that does, again, say, hey, this is out here. Uh, and then you have, and it, do, it doesn't really, it cements Thor, but it cements Thor more into a, it, it, it doesn't really, I think part of what makes it not work is that it doesn't cement Thor into the character that we want him to be. I mm-hmm. think Age of Ultron does that a little bit better than Thor The Dark World does. Yeah. Uh, Captain America Winter Soldier cements him into, you know, a Cap who is transitioning between the past and the present, where he fits in and what's going on in the current state of the world. Does he want to be a part of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Does he not want to be a part of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Uh, can he bring down the, I mean, he's a military man. He all he knows is being in the military. So being able to bring that down is real big. And like you told me last night, you know, this is a whole movie about his identity. And that's really good, especially when we get into later films like Civil War, where like he says, the best hands uh that these are in has always been our own. You know, he's becoming more self dependent and bringing the Avengers to be self dependent. Um and then we have something like Guardians where this is their introduction. Yeah. You know, and again, bringing us more frontward into that extraterrestrial and kind of blending that with Peter Quill with the extraterrestrial and the terrestrial. Uh, and kind of giving us a little bit more of an insight into Thanos, actually, because they have the one scene with him and Ronan where they talk about, you know, like, hey, man, you know, he's kind of like an arms dealer almost. Like, hey, you gave yeah. me this power, you know, you gave me this lackey, uh, but your daughter out here messing up, what happened? I thought we had a deal. Hey, look here, little ass nigga. <laughs> Ain't worried about you. I got bigger plans, you know. Like he pretty much just dogs him down, which I think is like really cool. You get to see how Thanos is still out here planning, machinating. Even that falls within his grand scheme of things. And then you have Age of Ultron, which again another movie that people kind of put down, but I think is really amazing. Where again we have Tony because of this extra extraterrestrial threat. Uh, makes backwardsly creates Ultron and Ultron being like this big sort of cataclysm that kind of is one step into dividing uh, the, the Avengers team. This is all, it just, it keeps like spiraling into, you know, the other stories that goes on. And this is again, kind of like if you read the Marvel comics, like I'm currently going through, actually I have been for the past, like, 10 years of my life been going through like Marvel comics and reading storylines. And that's kind of how it works in Marvel comics. Again, this is, this is how, this is why they work is because they know the comics and they're bringing that style onto the big screen. Okay. Um, talking about phase two for me, uh, I feel like it's definitely a step up from phase one. Cause obviously once you have, you have all these characters established and you know, um, we're bringing up, I'm going to bring up Iron Man three again, real quick. 
is that we got to dive more into Tony Stark. And now a lot of people give Tony um, Iron Man three a lot of um, slack because obviously the huge Mandarin twist and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But in all honesty, I still think it's a very solid film because it focuses on the element that hasn't really been focused on the previous two Iron Man, which is Tony Stark himself. Because most of the time with Iron Man 1 and Iron Man 2, it is the more the development of Iron Man. Like, we're getting the development of how he's becoming the superhero. But Iron Man 3 kind of reiterates the fact that, you know, he doesn't need to, he doesn't, he doesn't have to be a Iron Man to be the superhero. He just needs to be Tony Stark to be the superhero. Mm -hmm. I like the whole sequence of him um, raiding the um, Mandarin's household with just um, homemade objects. To me, I think that's one of the coolest and most inventive scenes in the entire MCU, in all honesty. Mm -hmm. Because you get to see Tony's intellect and you get to see how much he's grown as a character in the last couple of films. Where um, he's not just reliant on the technology. He can fight, you know, he can kick some ass, which is really cool to see. Mm -hmm. Um... I also think that it's really nice that, um, you know, he has a um, special relationship with Pepper, um, a character that, you know, that hasn't really been too much focused on the MCU, but like her, their relationship in this movie, I think it works really well, like, especially if you take into consideration, you know, Avengers, um, Iron Man 2, and even Iron Man 1. I think it's a good, like, culmination of that up to that point. But yeah, I still think Iron Man 3 is still a solid film. Uh, Thor The Dark World, honestly, is probably the one I can't remember all too much just because I feel like I just, to me, it was just kind of a slug, mm. kind of like a, a kind of a bore. But I still remember, um, obviously, the fights with um, Alice. What's the, what's the villain's name again? Malekith? Malekith. Um, Malekith. The right. I think the last couple of fights were okay. And then, obviously, you know, Tom Hiddleston still, you know, still the best as Loki. You know, mm -hmm. I feel like that's, to me, that's like one of the most pitch-perfect, like, casting I think they can, could have done for the MCU. Um, so, what is it? Um, and even, like, the post credit scene in there, they, you know, they're trying to establish um, the Collector with the, was I believe, the Reality Stone. I think the, the, the Aether. That's Either. what they call it. I, I could be the reality stone. I thought that was, I don't know, man. They it, it's different than the comic stones, so I don't know. Okay, so let's just look at those. So the aether. Um, I feel like I feel like that's probably one of the probably one of the best parts of Dark the Dark World because it kind of establishes the whole space element, mm -hmm. which gets us into you know obviously Guardians of the Galaxy, which is honestly one of my personal favorites. Um, I feel like it's just a cool um like introduction to these more out there characters. As we get to see Thanos again, mm -hmm. I think it's really always cool to see Thanos. Especially him in his own cool little um, um, dad chair, just yeah. looking over everybody. I always love that scene. Which uh, is weird because we we see the dad chair in two places. We see it at the end of Avengers, and we see it in the middle of Guardians of the Galaxy. But we don't see it in in uh, Infinity War. We see him on a ship. His dad chair is on the ship. Where the space dad chair at? Honestly, at that point, a lot of people were just asking for them to do other than just sitting in. Just I mean, truth. Yeah. I mean, the only time we saw him, you know, out of his chair was in the end of um, Age of Ultron. I was like, we were just like, okay, fine, I'll do it I'll myself. Do it myself. Was like, as, as a bad scene, I wasn't expecting that. I was like, oh, my God. But the thing is, we waited like three years after that. So I was like, what is he going to do? When is he going to mm -hmm. do it? Three years later. Oh, now he decides it. But then he decides, you know, to fucking, you know, wreck all the Asgardians. Yeah. By the way, where's uh, Valkyrie and um, the guy, uh, Korg? That's uh, a good. That's a good question. I still. I always wonder, like, what happened? Did they just say they just yeeted out out of there as soon as Thanos was like, "Oh shit, that's Thanos." I ain't trying to mess <laughs> they, with Thanos. They pulled. Uh, what's his name? They pulled a. Uh, uh, what, what's what's Doctor Strange's partner's name? Oh, uh, Juan. They pulled a Juan. It's like, yo, the, the century, the the uh, the sanctuary has been uh, hasn't been left unguarded for three hundred centuries. You you go handle that. <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> yeah, so I'm sort of just curious, like, what happened to that? But obviously, you know, we'll get to phase three when we get to phase three, but. Um, looking back at phase two, I just feel like it is, it was also kind of a more experimental time for mm -hmm. the MCU. Um, Ant-Man, 
Um, now, at first, it was actually the one the MCU movie that actually was looking forward to the most because it was done being it was originally being done by Edgar Wright. Okay, so let me let me introduce because it's interesting that you say that right now while we're talking about Phase Two. Okay, I consider Ant Man a part of Phase Three. Really, I consider and and it's weird because I feel like they said this before they made a change. I feel like the the phases are bookended by the Avengers films. Have they established that? I feel like they did before they changed it. Like, nah, we were just kidding. So in in my personal headcanon, in my in my personal view, it makes sense that they're uh they are because it doesn't make sense that the the movie will be the phase will be introduced by Civil War. Mm-hmm. It makes more sense if you introduce it by Ant Man. Okay. In the aftermath of Age of Ultron, you know, then you get to Civil War. So like, why would you why would you end the phase on Ant Man? What what does that do for the for the the if I were reading a book and then the last chapter was like, hey, I'm Ant-Man. <laughs> yeah, you don't know me. Like, wait, what? You know, that movie would then end up kind of feeling like an extra credit scene in and of itself. Mm-hmm. You know, like, well, I, I don't know. I just I feel like they should be booking like this. This phase right here ain't going to be bookended by Spider-Man Far From Home. It's going to be bookended by Endgame. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. it makes more sense that way. It's just funny too because I remember um reading I'm reading the news and this is like the last film of the MCU is not gonna be Avengers: Age of Ultron. So I was thinking to myself, well, what's it gonna be? It's gonna be Ant Man. I'm like, really? Right. <laughs> this is gonna be the last film of like you know we just come off Age of Ultron, which is actually I think it's still a pretty solid film. Yes. Looking back, Ultron is still a great villain. Honestly, I wish they used him more. Amazing. But um, hopefully they bring him back for you know whenever they continue. Um, it'd be kind of nice to have like a connection because i know that in the comics hank pym is the one that created uh ultron rather than tony stark mm-hmm. but i always had this really cool idea in my head like what if tony actually stole the plans from pym like kind of like some secret archives because to- uh, howard stark and um, hank pym did work together mm-hmm. in the mcu so we kind of funny if you know t- um, howard kind of just took his plans for ultron kind of like on the side that would be actually amazing which kind of gives it, which kind of gives like you know a homage to you know hank pym actually creating ultron and you know when, you know a lot because i know a lot of fans were kind of pissed off about that so I feel like if they wanted to, ri- if they wanted to, you know, um, kind of give the fans that, then I feel like that'd be kind of cool. That'd be actually would be cool. We're gonna come back to that when we talk about like our predictions for what's gonna happen uh, beyond Endgame. Okay. Yeah, but no. So uh, moving on to Phase Three. Okay. Probably my my favorite phase, honestly, because we have a lot. Like you want to talk about uh, Phase Two being its most ex- experimental. Mm-hmm. Bruh, Phase Three though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when like the most underrated film in Phase Three being Doctor Strange, with all of its like, you want to talk about the visual effects oh, yeah. done in a movie? My gosh, that is amazing! Like, props to the visual effects artists who've done, who did Doctor Strange. Like, I don't even have to look. Like, usually I look at the some of the behind the scenes of what happens. You know, some of the like the. The uh the 3D passes that go on like if you look at the 3D passes for uh Black Panther I think is amazing how they really just made Wakanda come to life mm-hmm. where it's just like they took an empty field and then hey buildings it's just like what like but I don't even have to look at the behind the scenes for Doctor Strange to know that that is marvelous patent pending <laughs> um I saw actually Doctor Strange in 3D. Mm-hmm. Um, this was the first 3D film I saw in a while, but oh my god, like the like the visuals literally just literally pop. Like I'm mm-hmm. not even saying it because it's obviously it's 3D, but I'm saying like when you see that shit in 3D, it literally like it's like literally like another realm. Yeah. It's like you really see you no know, Doctor Strange, especially during the scene where um, the ancient one is like you know thrusting um Doctor Strange through all like these different like realms like that is 
really amazing to see in 3D. If um, if you ever get the chance, they have like one of those 3D TVs. If um, they still have that for DVDs and whatnot, I suggest you watch it that sequence, at least that sequence, because it is phenomenal to see that in 3D. See, we watched it in 3D because it was like the only way you could see it in IMAX, and I was like, "Yo, we gotta see this in IMAX." And I was like, mm-hmm. "Yo, but uh, we gotta see it in IMAX 3D." I don't think it did that much for the film. I think it's um, I think I remember it just being like it allows it to like pop more. I think mm-hmm. I think that's just what I remember because obviously you know three is a lot different than it was like back in like early two thousands, mid two thousands. Yeah, where they just have somebody point at random just so it could point at your face like, oh, it's over there. And I'm looking just- at you, Spy Kids 3D. <laughs> oh, that movie was so bad. <laughs> oh, I, I have a soft spot for that movie. It's garbage. It may be so, but I still have a soft spot for it. Sylvester Stallone has like seven different characters. What are you doing? Well, clearly he wanted to play a hippie and a doctor and whatever the fuck he wanted. Like a Nazi? Wonderful. I think it was a Nazi. Oh my god! Was, oh, that movie's so bad. But no, man. Like the mo. Okay, so back on the Phase Three, man. Like I don't know if you know this about your boy, but your boy is a Spider-Man fan. Mm-hmm. I love me some Spider-Man. Let me <laughs> tell you. That was like the first Marvel. When we talk about Marvel, like so, it was DC. I got into Batman because of my mom. But when it, like when I started reading comics, I go to the library and get some comics. First one I picked up was this like bound like uh, I forget who the artist was at the time, but it was like this bound collection of this artist mm-hmm. uh, work on Spider Man, and I just I fell in love. And of course, you got the Spider Man animated series and things like that, which you know didn't hurt. Uh, I was deeply into like Spider-Man and his amazing friends. I had that on VHS and whatnot. Uh, so when I was like, when finally, cause if you, I don't know if you know this, Spider-Man was supposed to be introduced all the way back in Avengers. Really? Yeah. They had, uh, and this was around like the time that I think we were going to get the, uh, amazing Spider-Man version. So the, the oh, Andrew Garfield okay. version of Spider-Man in the MCU, they were going to have a render mock-up of, uh, Oscorp tower the one from Amazing Spider-Man, be in the Avengers film. However, they didn't make it in time, so they're just like, all right, we got to keep going. Like, th- this train don't stop for no Spider-Man. Uh, so I think talks were, like, in development way back then for that. Um, so when I finally heard that Sony had made sort of this, like, convoluted deal so that Spider-Man could be in the MCU, and then I saw that Civil War trailer <laughs> when when they had Peter come out and say, hey, everybody. And I was like, hey, Spider-Man. Hey, hey, Spider-Man. How you doing? Lord, thank you for being here. Jesus Christ. And then Spider-Man Homecoming, which was before Into the Spider-Verse, was my favorite <laughs> Spider-Man film. Uh, I just, I love it. Cause it's, cause that's, because that's the, the, the thesis of this whole cinematic universe and why again another of the 15 reasons why it works so well is you get to see these characters interact with each other mm-hmm. and some of the best character interactions in the comics is spider-man wolf the rest of the avengers i think it, it it allows for great not only heartfelt moments but comedic moments as well there's that uh panel that goes around with everybody where uh, i think it's a at the start of the avengers world arc in the comics and they're bringing together the superheroes for the team and it's like they were narr- like I think it's Cap narrating is like some of us came for pride, some of us came to defend, some of us came for money, and it's just like Peter holding Tony Stark and, and Tony Stark saying we have money, and he's like oh thank God like <laughs> it's just it's great moments like that, and I thank God for Phase Three. 
Mm-hmm. It's funny you mentioned the Sony because looking back at it, it wasn't a bad idea that they had to delay their visual mm-hmm. effects, oh, honestly, because yeah. it definitely worked out for the best. Oh, yeah. Because uh, those amazing Spider-Man movies, ooh, ooh. Stuff, yeah, you want to talk about big oof. They're, they're really rough, especially the second one. I mean, first one, I think it's okay, but the second it's one... It's a decent film, yeah. The second one gave me some uh, flashbacks of Spider-Man 3, and honestly, I think it's worse looking back at it. Man, the second one gave me flashbacks of Twilight. Like, I oh, did not. It's, it's so... <laughs> bad and the thing is what there's so many and, and i don't want to get too far into this because then we'll just be reviewing spider-man amazing spider-man 2 mm-hmm. but why they have to do that to jamie fox why they do that to that man like miles dylan has never in any type of adaptation been a mama's boy <laughs> who's like this like who does he's never been syndrome from uh uh incredibles which they again another like just the second time we were talking about this last time with like how Iron Man three pretty much is Incredibles. Maybe Spider Man decided to do that shit too. I I can't even begin with Jamie Foxx in that movie. I love Jamie Foxx. Not to go too much into. I hope he gets a redemption. Hope like make him Blade. Just if they bring Blade Apparently to the Apparently he's in the running to be Spawn. Oh okay. Well maybe I got Spawn. Spawn's okay. I'm okay mm-hmm. with Spawn, but just. I mean, that'll be his redemption because, good God, I I can't stand this. I remember one of my friends, to, after the movie premiered, uh, after we went to go see the movie, and it was like, yo, RJ, how'd you feel about being the villain in um, I, uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2? I'm like, what? And like, he's like, bro, you look like Electro. I'm like, I smacked him promptly afterwards, you know. That is that has got to be the only time we're being compared to Jamie Foxx, isn't it? So I oh my god. So personally, I I can't stand it. But segment, like you said, we don't want to get too far mm-hmm. into this. So let's mm-hmm. get back to phase three. We're on Spider-Man Homecoming. So let's talk about an actual good Spider-Man movie. Um, Spider-Man Homecoming honestly is one of the best Spider-Man movies out there. And like mm-hmm. like much of you, um, Spider-Man Homecoming was one of my favorites until Into the Spider-Verse. But I think a lot of it that has to go with obviously Tom Holland. Tom Holland nailed it. I he think did. So. he really nailed Peter Parker. I think this is the first Peter Parker I legitimately, you know, this is the comic like version. Mm-hmm. And now you can now most people would be like, you know, Tobey Maguire, and honestly, no one talks about Andrew Garfield. Okay, but. so let's talk about that. Okay, I hate to interrupt, but I just because you you say that, and a lot of people do say that Tobey Maguire is their Peter Parker, like oh, Tom Holland, not my Peter, but. Tobey Maguire isn't the comic book Peter Parker. He kind of is, if you think about it from the original inception mm-hmm. of Spider-Man. Like, we're talking about Amazing Fantasy 15, Spider-Man, up until, like, the comic book that I picked up from the library, Spider-Man, because I feel like those are two different Peter Parkers. Because uh, this is the wheat cakes eating, you know, <laughs> going to the sock hop, Peter Parker, and yes, that is Tobey Maguire. But Tobey Maguire also reminds me of the 90s animated series, Spider-Man. Okay. The one who keeps crying. Shouting out Mary Jane every so often. Yeah. That's that's the Peter Parker you're rooting for. That's that's the one. Yeah. Yeah, that's your Peter Parker. I can't stand. I can't stand Tobey Maguire. Which is funny, too, because I still think Spider-Man 2 is still a really solid film. I mean, he has, too. doesn't have too many crying scenes. It seems that he is crying, obviously. It's, you know, it's, it helps the story. You know, the scenes with Aunt, Aunt May... Um, you know, obviously with Mary Jane, obviously Mary Jane's to me has always been like the, the one sour spot in all the, um, original Raimi trilogies, honestly. Kirsten Dunn's not great. No, no, she's not. But we're going to talk about, uh, female characters in, um, Spider-Man. Um, uh, we got to cut to Zendaya. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, and obviously it's a good segue to, with, um, MJ. This is a very, very weird take on that character, honestly. I think it is a great 
weird take on on the MJ character because Why is that? well because it's it it is both it's it's a great modernization of MJ whereas Kirsten Dunst MJ is nothing like MJ is in the comics. If you read MJ in the comics, and I am reading a later version of MJ, so I don't really have the whole picture of MJ, but she's confident. She's like, even though she gets she gets herself in the damsel in distress situations, but she's willing to fight her way out of it. She's she seems to be like brave and amazing and a strong, charismatic female. Kirsten Dunst, none of that. <laughs> like she's a wooden doll in comparison to how uh how MJ is in the comics. So when you see this MJ in the movie who is outspoken, who is who is tantamount to being like a, a millennial activist, you know, with these thoughts of, you know, like like my favorite scene is when they're at the the monument is like, yeah, I don't really want to celebrate a monument that was built by slaves. And the teacher <laughs> looks over the guard and is like, it wasn't built by slaves and the guard goes, eh, kinda. So it's like, is these great? And you see it in if you watch the Far From Home trailer, like they put in this little, this like gendered uh, joke in there where he's like, she's like, you know, I think, oh man, I think you're, think you're really cute, and she's like, and therefore I have value, and she's like, <laughs> he's like, not what, no, nah, I mean, it's like, no, no, it's okay, I think you're cute too, and she's no, like, that was funny. I'll give you that. That was, that. Great, that was actually right? really funny. And I'm pretty sure we're gonna see like a lot. I think with her in this more empowered sort of like take we have a lot of opportunity for her to do like a lot more things as we get to introduce a lot more for her character i think far from home is a place where we can see that a lot for her character because homecoming was more about spider-man mm-hmm. and his development into become kind of like how you, how you said with iron man and iron man 2 uh was about tony Stark becoming iron man spider-man homecoming was more about uh like civil war from homecoming is about Peter Parker becoming the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, the Spider-Man that can be independent from the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And uh, I just going back, just kind of just overall, just about Phase Three, because I kind of wanted to talk about a couple other ones. Civil War, I remember being you know extremely hyped for that one in particular because that was one of the few comics I actually did read. And you know, obviously, I knew they were taking a lot of liberties with the story. Um, obviously, you know, they couldn't do you know Goliath's death. They couldn't do any of the stuff with the Human Torch. And obviously the way, um, although they did do the Iron Man scene, the the reason why he did um, do the Accords, it's still, I think it's still pretty accurate to the comics. I, uh, I don't agree. Well, I mean, you know, degree to disagree, but. No, I, not agree to disagree. I disagree. <laughs> but I still feel like it's, it still has like the same beats, I would say. Like mm-hmm. it still has the same idea. Obviously the reason why they still, you know, the Accords still happen, obviously it's a big fart cry from the original comics. Obviously mm-hmm. you don't, you don't have the, what was it, the New Warriors? Yeah, the New Warriors were chasing... They were doing a, a webcam TV show type deal, and they were chasing this hero in the suburbs of Braxton... Not Braxton, Ohio. That was where Asgard came to. Some, some town I can't remember at the moment. Uh, but yeah, they were chasing this villain, uh, Nitro, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. And something happened to where he... Nitro, this mutant... Mutant villain with the ability to explode himself actually does so and end up taking like 300 maybe 100 or so people with him which caused people to be like okay up in arms and they introduced the uh superhuman registration act which says hey if you're a new superhero you know your identity everything has to be with us you'll give a provisional license you will be trained uh, to use your powers anymore, sort of like X Men's uh, 
uh, Xavier Academy, but under the government. So it's more like mm-hmm. a, a public school than Xavier's private school, which is just for mutants. They're pretty much taking that concept and expanding upon it. Um, but of course, some of the heroes don't really agree with that. So that's how you get the Civil War. Mm-hmm. But anyways, just still talking about Civil War. I still think that it's a really, really solid film, even though it's still pretty much like you know not as close to the comics as I probably would have wanted to be. Mm-hmm. But uh, I still think you know the action is still solid. Um, obviously, the characters still seeing all the characters again, and a lot of people will say that um, Avengers, um, Age of Ultron was kind of like the lesser version, and this Civil War is pretty much event what Avengers two could have been. Like I, I remember having a conversation with a lot of people about that, but I still think that both of them still stand on their own, like as separate. And it was it was a little weird at first when I did hear that it wasn't going to be a Captain America movie rather than an Avengers movie for Civil War but I think it still works and especially in connection with uh, Winter Soldier kind of brings Cap to like this final conclusion you know how would the person he wants to be in mm-hmm. society and even at, and after the events of Age of Ultron you can definitely see that uh, Cap is going through some changes uh, especially um, just kind of wanted to go back to Age of Ultron just real quick the scene in particular with the farmhouse where they're at Hawkeye's place you know you have um, Cap and Iron Man you know they're just swinging their axe you know cutting down on trees and stuff like that I think that's a really, really subtle like indication of what's to come, mm-hmm. like in terms of just not just Civil War, but the entire fate of the MCU. Because um, obviously, when we get to the final battle of Civil War, you know you have Cap versus a uh, Cap Bucky versus Iron Man, which is probably like in terms of superhero fights, like superhero versus superhero, still the best one I would say so of all the MCU. You agree to disagree? Oh no! Keep going, man! Don't don't, don't stop. Cause uh, I'm thinking. I don't know. No, 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 I'm thinking. No, I know, some, but um, I still think that's like really the best superheroes versus superhero fight out there. And then um, obviously you have the big climactic ending where Cap is debating whether he wants to kill Iron Man. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember just literally at the end of my season, like, oh my god, he's about to kill Iron Man. But then like he um strains to the side because I remember Cap dies in the comic mm-hmm. of Civil War, so I was thinking, oh my god, they're just gonna pull one e and just kill Tony instead. But nope, spares him. But you know, they're distant. And then that sets up for um, Infinity War, where obviously, you know, Iron Man is separate. He ends up going to space. And then I really like this subtle, um, the subtle line in um, Infinity War where um, Cab was like, um, Earth just lost his best defender. And he was like, he was calling out to Tony. I would, I would say so. If that, I don't know if that, I mean, I always felt like that's what we, what we wanted to say. Hmm. But um, it's an interesting take on that. I don't know if I wholeheartedly agree. I have to watch the film 17 more times. Oh, no. I mean, we're a month away from Endgame, so I'm probably gonna have at least you know five more watches of that movie, anyways. But um, I always like, I always feel like that when he calls out, when he says the, when he says to Roz, you know, Earth just lost his best defender. I always feel like you know, it's just Cavs just thinking to himself, you know, I really screwed, I really screwed up with Tony. But he's also realizing, you know, he's still he's become his own person because if I'm not mistaken, he takes on this identity um, in the comics from what I was told is called Nomad. I think it is where he basically abandons. Um, he does that, but not. This isn't like. At this point, he takes on a nomad persona persona uh, a lot earlier. Okay. When he, uh, I actually forget, but I know it's not like post Civil War. Captain America's like I say he's dead. Okay. Yeah. But um, wonder I call it. But actually, um, actually, just I was just thinking about this. Um, I actually recently watched for the first time Ant Man the Wasp. Mm-hmm. Um, now this is is this one was interesting to me because I like the first Ant Man fine, um, even though it was you know I really still wish it was done by Edgar Wright, but obviously Peyton Reed you know, still did a solid job with the first one. I feel like it could have been a lot I know pun intended but bigger, you mm-hmm. know in terms of you know how they wanted to portray this character. But 
Ant-Man and the Wasp, I think, is definitely what I would have expected from Ant-Man, uh, from Ant-Man, because, you know, you have these larger-in-life, you know, spectacle, like, set pieces, you know, obviously seeing the Wasp finally in action, you know, on the big screen was really cool to see, and then, you know, I think, I think in terms of, like, heart of, like, you know, like, because some, some of these movies kind of just do, like, the superheroes, you know, just go gambit, you know, just get the action, the characters, you know, some subtle, serious moments, but not a whole lot of heart. I think Guardians was the first film that kind of gave the heart, but I feel like, Watching Ant-Man and the Watts, it feels like there's like a really genuine, like good-hearted, like light-hearted tone throughout this entire movie, because it's just about family, you mm-hmm. know. Um, you know, you have the connection of Ant-Man and um, his daughter. You have Hank Pym and his daughter, you know, and Hope, and then obviously you have you know, just the overarching thing of you know just trying to bring family together again. And when I look back at it, even Ghost, um, which I really think is a really cool villain, even though she's not really like villain per se, she's just kind of just um you know wants to you know be feel normal again. Well, and speaking of the connection between Hank and his daughter, uh, Paul Rudd and his daughter, uh, but you also have Goliath, mm-hmm. uh, played by Lawrence Fishburne, and Ghost, who is a surrogate daughter of his. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it speaks to more to to your point. But I just like I just I just personally really like that film, which is kind of sad too, because that end credit scene of Ant Man and Wasp really just threw me for a loop. Because yeah, they're just gone now. Like they worked in this entire movie to get them together, and all of a sudden, boop, gone. It's like well, shit, <laughs> you know. And then um, just thinking about the End Game trailer, where you just see Ant Man kind of just walk, like, walking down like the street, like seeing like a bunch of missing posters too. Like, I mm-hmm. wonder if like I really hope he's like his daughter's still there. Because if it's not, I feel like I'm actually gonna shed a tear for nope, that. She gone. Everybody gone. Oh my god! I oh my god! And it's this is gonna be a rough. This <laughs> it's be a gonna rough, be rough. a rough movie. It's gonna be a rough movie. Oh my god! Oh man, I can't I can't wait for it. Uh, so we didn't get to talk about every every single movie, and maybe you know we'll revisit this after uh, Endgame. But uh, I want to move on because we're getting close to the end of the show. Uh, I want to talk about some predictions. So what do you think are some predictions past? Phase three that are going to happen. Okay, so um, obviously we're talking about the Fox um, deal that's going to happen um, relatively soon. I believe it's the twentieth. They said they were going to officially um, close the deal, but obviously we're going to get X Men. I feel like we're going to get X Men. I feel like mm-hmm. it's going to be a little bit down the road because obviously we're having Dark Phoenix come out this year, and you know that's going to be the big, you know, the last big Fox X Men movie because a lot of people are saying that New Mutants may not come back. That would suck. I was really excited for that. Yeah, so like I heard a lot of things. Hopefully, I hope it just comes to Netflix because I feel like it'd be the one way they can save that movie. That or Hulu, you know. Like, that would so be a shame. It would be a shame, but obviously, but, it's yeah. I'd, I'd rather that than it not come out at all. So. Yeah, so I'm I'm crossing fingers for a Netflix release at the very least, or like a very limited release as well. But um, I'm thinking that um, in terms of the X Men movie, though, I don't know whether or not they're gonna just kind of just introduce mutants like that, or just trying to find some way to kind of connect. Um, all the characters together. I always think that um, if they were to bring up uh, Wolverine, who is a character that I know that kind of kind of travels through time, pretty much kind of like grows up like at the like beginning of like human civilization coming um, to a full circle. It'd be kind of cool like you saw um, him with like kind of Captain America fighting in World War Two, kind of as like a like a soldier, mm-hmm. and that would kind of that would kind of connect him to his connection to um, you know all the other Avengers. And it'd be kind of interesting too that if he doesn't join the X Men, he joins the Avengers, and then we can kind of set up for you know, maybe maybe an Avengers X Men kind of crossover kind of thing. So, well, actually, you said something that was kind of incorrect there. Uh, Wolverine hasn't grown up since the dawn of civilization. He was actually more colonial. Yeah, that's why. Right, that's why. That's why I'm mad. Yeah, I couldn't think of the right words to say at that. Yeah, you're that saying he's a he's a caveman. No, he wasn't no damn caveman. He was his his he was James Harlot the third, pretty much. <laughs> Of Canada. 
Oh God, Canada. stupid Canada. <laughs> Why do we let you be a country? Anyway, hey, shout out to all of our Canada listeners out there. Um, but yeah, all right. But then also, um, you know, just I, mean, I just we just heard that you know Guardians Three is finally coming back with James Gunn. Mm-hmm. I'm super excited for that. Um, depend, I can't really really think of too many predictions, but um, for that one. But in terms of um, Endgame, how it's going to turn out, I have one of two things. I've learned about these characters recently called the Infinity Watch. Which is basically on um, these uh, characters that basically take each of them take a stone and they basically protect it. Now in, in Infinity War, we have Red Skull, who is basically the protector of the Soul Stone, and Gamora also had to, which Thanos gave um, sacrifices Gamora to get the Soul Stone. So I was curious that if at the end of Endgame she becomes the new protector of the Soul Stone, which is mm-hmm. the only thing that will keep her alive. But you know, Peter Cole ain't having that. So I was curious if the entire movie was basically trying to find a way to get Gamora out of that kind of goes against, you know, this um, Peter was basically going against the universe to kind of bring Gamora back, but That'd maybe interesting. Um, it would also I might set up uh, Nihilus I don't know, because um, I heard some rumors saying that you know, they went and bring on Nihilus um, into the MCU, but I feel like if, you know, they, if he were to go up against Nihilus to kind of get the you know, get the Soul Stone or something like that, I feel like it'd be mm-hmm. pretty interesting. Okay. Uh, as far as predictions that I have, uh, I have a million. I have, actually have a document here. Uh, let's see here. Item number one: We're gonna get a Thunderbolts movie. Thunderbolts. I feel like we're gonna. I feel like we're building up towards a Thunderbolts movie. So if you don't know people what the Thunderbolts is, it's pretty much Marvel's version of Suicide Squad, where we take oh, a bunch of government-sanctioned villains and make them go on like government-sanctioned missions. Uh, it's particularly they're kind of building. I feel like they, they a lot of the villains that we've seen in the Marvel Cinematic Universe who haven't died, uh, have been at least at one time a part of uh, a Thunderbolts team. So you've had Ghost, who's still alive and still has her abilities, so she could obviously be great for infiltration. You have uh, Baron Zemo, who you know is the villain of who a lot of people kind of forget uh, is the villain of Civil War. Pretty much, he's still alive, and he's kind of like a human, like human level Captain America, like bomb ass soldier, you know, great tactical fighter. And then you have uh, Thunderbolt Ross, who if people don't know from the comics becomes the Red Hulk. So if we can, if we can see something like that, oh, that'd be amazing. That'd be, I, I would totally love that. I'm interested to see what they pull with from Thunderbolts because obviously, you know, they have to. It's not that hard to top Suicide Squad. Honestly, all the MCU movies can right. have that distinction. Even the Thor: The Dark World can you know, say that distinction. So, I am curious. Um, maybe they'll bring some other villains too. We haven't seen. Maybe, maybe with the whole Fox deal, they might bring in Deadpool. You know, be maybe. Kinda, yeah, I'm, he's actually been a part of Thunderbolts too. So yeah, that'd be interesting to see. I'm praying they keep Deadpool the way he is. They said they will. Okay. That's been confirmed that they won't touch Deadpool because he makes money. Okay. Well, of course, well, of course, if he makes <laughs> right? money, if then. he makes money, it's safe to say they go keep him uh, the way he is. Um, did you hear about that thing where people are some prime petition to have a Deadpool be like the new Stan Lee in terms of cameos? So I'm. I've been thinking about that. I feel like it'd be great. Although, although obviously the soft spot, you know, just had not had seen Stan Lee in any more, you know, cameos in these Marvel movies is gonna hurt. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I don't want. And the, the only thing I'm afraid of with these kind of things is like obviously the fourth wall. You know, Deadpool's you know famous for this. Mm-hmm. And you know, sometimes when you break the fourth wall in like kind of super serious, kind of serious movies, it kind of t- breaks the flow. Mm-hmm. So maybe he does like kind of some funny things. But obviously, speaking to the camera, maybe like if he did it during Ant Man. Or like Guardians, I feel like that'd be pretty funny then, because Deadpool basically just all over the place, anyways. Yeah. 
But like if he was doing like a if they don't kill him off if they do another Captain America you know it'd be kind of weird if Deadpool would just kind of just come out of nowhere like in a soldier's outfit just kind of saluting Cap as he's walking by or something. I but, I would love to see that. But I mean it it would still be funny but I just feel like it may break up the flow a bit. But um I I mean I'd be down to see Thunderbolts. Also I'm also curious to see if they're going to continue some of the um, existing franchises. Um you know we. So we're getting a second Spider, second Spider Man, and obviously we they said they may do one more, which is pretty likely. Mm-hmm. And um, I really hope they do a adaptation, which may be hard to do, but I want them to bring Craven um, into the MCU. Oh, that's I think almost a certainty. I mean, they brought it; they're bringing in Mysterio. I really, I just really, I think Craven's a really cool character. I think Craven's Last Hunt is the uh, one I, the other Spider Man comic I actually really like, really liked, and I read. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I don't think they would have to, you know, establish Craven first and then maybe do later on do Craven's Last Hunt. Or they might do it, you know, as one go. May not be. Man, they did Civil War early as I don't know what, so they might just have that be his introduction story. Mm-hmm. It's Craven's Last Hunt. Why not? I mean, they probably will. They probably won't do Superior Spider-Man because I feel like it's a very, very dark story to tell. Yeah, no, I don't think they do that. Which would be cool, and obviously Venom is out of the question, sadly. But give it, give it some time. <laughs> Sony gonna give out one of these days. Give it, give it some time. Uh, hopefully I'm not dead by then. But well, then we'll pray. We'll see. We'll True. see. But um, one last thing I think um, I'm really curious to see is, and we were talking about this the other day, but obviously more space-related movies. We were talking about mm-hmm. Nova. Mm-hmm. Um, I am really curious to see. I don't know too much about the character, but I understand that he's kind of like a space cop. He's pretty much Marvel's answer to Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. And instead of like a ring goes out and chooses his owner, he gets a helmet. Okay. <laughs> that pretty much makes him a Nova Corps member. And yeah, with all this talk of Annihilus and uh, with Kevin Feige almost saying that no, a Nova movie is a certainty, along with a Miss Marvel movie, I'm interested to see uh, how they did know how to do Nova. I was actually talking to Shakis last night about this uh, because I am a I, I am actually a Nova fan. I mm-hmm. wasn't before. Again, I was very lax, but in this reading of the Marvel universe itself uh, and going through all of the Marvel cosmic stories uh, and finding the character of Nova has been a joy. I, I really like a lot of Nova stories mm-hmm. and I'm interested to see what kind of Nova they do. If they're going to go with the Richard Ryder Nova, which will pretty much establish like the space cop, you know, all this, that, and the other. Uh, but how would you do that? You've just blown up Xandar. So maybe I was thinking that they go with the Sam Alexander Nova. Now, if you don't know, Sam Alexander is the new Nova in the current comic book run. I think Richard Wright has come back, but, you know, comics, nobody stays dead for long. Mm -hmm. But uh, Sam is a person who's found a helmet uh, out where he lives, and it turns out to have been his dad's helmet. And his dad was a part of the, uh, he was a black Nova, which is why his helmet is black and not yellow like Richard Wright's is, and which is like a spec ops version of the Nova Corps or a subsection of the Nova Corps. So what you could have is you could introduce Sam Alexander and introduce that helmet uh, that's just, you know, have Sam Alexander be the last living uh, Nova Corps member. And this would also fix the one problem, well, one of the many problems that I have with Guardians of the Galaxy, the <laughs> fact that they don't fly by oh. themselves and needing ships. <laughs> Why was that a thing? Nova is known as the human rocket. But I digress. Um, that could also fix that because he will be a human rocket. Okay, I'm, I'm serious. I digress on that fact. But we could actually see that. Another prediction that I actually had 
if we're speaking about Nova, is that uh, after Secret Wars, you have the comic imprint, comic imprint of all new, all different. So we had a lot of new titles come in with all new, all different in the title. All new, all new, all, new, all different Avengers, all new, all different X-Men, all new, all different Iron Man, all that stuff, right? Uh, in the all new, all different uh, uh, Avengers run, we have a new team of Avengers. Miles Morales, Sam Alexander Nova, uh, Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel, Iron Man, uh, Jane Foster Thor, which, yes, spoilers for the comics if you don't already know that Jane Foster is Lady Thor or new Thor, or Thor, um, and Sam Wilson, Captain America, and Vision. So, uh, after Endgame happens, uh, and we probably will see a death of a Captain America, I'm putting that out there right now, putting my prediction in the hat, Cap dies, All right. uh, we can see a new Cap. If they make Anthony Malky, uh Cap Falcon, oh, I'm out, I'm, I'm out. Cause I'm jumping back in. That's it'd be so hot. I can't wait. Uh, but we're probably gonna see a team led by uh Spider Man, a team of Avengers led by Spider Man. Okay. In the next film, uh, we're probably gonna get uh, an introduction of Miss Marvel. At this point, uh, probably in the movies, uh, because I don't see them doing her as a television show. Okay. Uh, at this point, if they do, they're gonna do it on their new DC streaming thing, which I can't wait to see what that what comes out of that. Because if it does actually tie into the MCU, unlike the actual television, and Netflix has yet to do, um, it'll be something they'll have actually have achieved full universal cohesion at that point, which would be great. Um, I have more predictions, but as we keep talking about it, I keep losing more and more of what's in my head. But yeah. I'm going to throw one more out there. Um, one more out. Now, that I think, now that I think about it. Um, so I am a little familiar with um, Alec, um Jason Alexander, right? Is that his name? Sam. Oh, Sam Alexander. Jason mm-hmm. Alexander is an actor. But um, I remember, I mean, you're going to hate me for saying this, but I remember in Ultimate Spider-Man that um, Spider-Man and Nova have like this connection. You know, they're using on a team together. So I was curious, it would be interesting, if, what if they introduced Sam, uh, Sam Alexander in, in a Spider-Man movie? Because you see that in... Oh, uh, when you said Ultimate Spider-Man, I thought about the Ultimate Spider-Man comics, and I was like, there's no Nova in... The Ultimate Spider-Man comics? What is he talking about? But no, in the cartoon. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. It's just I was just throwing that out there. No. I, I Anything just... to do with the Ultimate Spider-Man comics don't get no room here. All right. It's not in this house. All Ultimate right. Spider-Man is not in this dojo. <laughs> in this dojo. Oh, my God. But um, honestly, it's like it's really up in the air right now because honestly, Endgame, I mean, it's, I don't know if they're going to kill off Thanos, honestly. I hope they don't. I really hope they don't. Because one of my biggest problems with the Marvel Cinematic Universe happens to be they, their tendency to kill off their villains. Mm-hmm. Even if they're not great villains, a good a, a bad villain introduced in one movie can be developed into a good movie, a good villain later on. Always has that chance for improvement. Same as a good character introduced can turn into a uh, horribly active character later on. As things can go bad, things can go better. So there's always room for... And plus, they're, they're movie fodder. Like, why do you think comics have sustained themselves uh, so long? And some would say that's a bad thing, yes. But it does come up with some really awesome stories when a villain whose plans have failed 17 times has decided, okay, well, now I'm just going to go buck nuts and just destroy the whole world. Like, uh, Doctor... Not Doctor Doom, but Doctor Octopus mm-hmm. in Spider-Man comics going from... 
uh, a frequent Spider-Man villain to uh, making a plan using his Sinister Six in order to destroy the entire world and using that as a cover-up plan for stealing Spider-Man's body. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, keep him alive so we can have bug nuts stuff like that. Like, what? I just want to put this out there. I feel like the biggest issue with um, moves like that, I feel like I'm going to pin this on DC for doing this first. Um, I'm just real quick. I think Batman 89 started that trend because they killed off. The, I don't know if you've seen it, but I'm just going to spoil it anyways. They killed off the Joker in that movie. Just just uh, Batman ties him up to a gargoyle and then he kind of just falls off the cathedral and he just flops dead. Oh, you said Batman 89. I thought you were talking about like an animated movie. Or oh, something. no, 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 no. You're no. talking about the Tim Burton. I'm talking about Tim Burton, Batman. the very first one. Yeah. They killed off the Joker, which is still, I think, is one of like, the most iconic supervillains and you just kill him off in the first movie. Just feel like, wow. And then they did the same thing in the second one. They killed off the Penguin. They killed off Two-Face in the third one. I won't mention Batman and Robin because they just killed the whole franchise anyways. <laughs> they go we're gonna kill one villain kill two villains kill the franchise so i'm, I'm just gonna pin that on batman i know, think for, that's uh joe schumacher is the ultimate batman villain at oh, that yeah. point he says oh you want this dark and creepy stuff nah i don't want that one light colorful and uh, you know bat titties and uh, bat nipples you know we Great. want that uh but all right so we're gonna move on uh to the end of the show uh and this is a little segment and we're gonna tag it on at the end called what are you watching Okay. So, RJ, what are you watching? What am I watching in terms of just, you know, just in general, what am I watching? What are you watching, man? Tell tell us something good. Give a recommendation out to the people. I just recently started watching a show called Barry. These people I take out, they're bad people. The money's good. It's a job. Yep. Hey, man. Are you seeing this beautiful morning? What are you doing? How are you? What am I doing? I'm... Set up here like you asked me to. Oh, right. Duh. This heat is urgent. This is Ryan Madison. Familiar to my slaughterous thoughts. Hey, man. Are you new to this class? Help me out. Ryan, you're up. I'm going to do the scene with him. And action. Um, the new Bill Hader show. Um, he's a, He plays a hitman who moves up to Los Angeles and basically wants to become an actor. Oh, yeah. It is hilarious. And for anyone who you know who loves black comedy, people who love Bill Hader, I think he's one of the best comedic actors out there right now. Um, yeah, I just think that it's a phenomenal show. It's um, I only seen like a couple episodes in, but I think it's it's really entertaining. Um, it's very it's very heavy on some of the themes because obviously you have um, Bill Hader playing a hitman. Obviously, just mm-hmm. those pretty violence, and it's an HBO show, so they you know you know they don't hold it back anything. Mm-hmm. In these shows, and um, I think it's really solid. So if anyone's interested in you know black comedy, uh, Bill Hader, and you know um, just a bunch of craziness, I say recommend it. And I just recently started watching Game of Thrones, a show that I've been putting off for the longest time. Hold up, man! You get one. You don't get two plus show plugs. Get one. Okay, fine, Let's fine. Watch. Then I will end it with Barry. But obviously, people who have seen Game of Thrones obviously watch Game of Thrones. You don't be sneaking in too. That's it. You ain't podcasting no more over here sneaking out. It's two recommends. What's wrong with you? But also, I have uh, why I have watched the whole first season of Barry. I second that recommend. It was that's a good show. That's okay. a good, really good show. I don't really know a lot about uh, Bill Hader, but I watched that show and I was like, I fell in love. Man's awesome. Man's a G. Uh, also, voiced Alpha in the Power Rangers movie. You know that? Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. It's great. That's He's crazy. Great. Uh, for my recommend. I uh, have been watching uh, Love, Death, and Robots Mm -hmm. on Netflix. Tom? Greta? 
This is amazing. Yes, she is. Actually, and it is an animated anthology series. So every episode is different, varying lengths. Like one episode could be like 17 minutes. Another one could be 11. Um, and it's actually made by David Fincher. Okay. And Tim Miller from Deadpool. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's an interesting yes. combination. I am uh, six episodes in right now. And let me tell you, go watch this series. Every episode is amazing so far. So far. Every, every story that we've gotten to has been luxurious. The first one uh, takes like the fr I'm not going to spoil any of the stories, but I'm just going to give like a brief overview of like the first two. Um, the first one has like some underground monster fights pretty much. And the animation on this is just amazing. And the story great. Uh, the second one is like three robots and it's kind of spoilery, but Honestly, just the concept is so great. I kind of want a whole series out of this. It's three robots pretty much taking a vacation in a post-apocalyptic city. <laughs> so you have, like, this one robot that's just taking pictures of, like, dead skeletons on the ground and just talking to the skeletons. It's amazing. And if you like cats, you're going to like the second episode. But, no, there are, like, the third episode is just, like, mentally insane it's all it's all good it is all good and it's all creative and yeah please go watch it love death and robots i definitely need to check that out i need a lot of new shows to watch honestly but i'll take that i'll take it i'll take that as a recommendation i appreciate you and see how i stuck with one out here sneaking in multiple recommendations all right oh people uh that has been our show thank you for listening uh watching whatever you're doing wherever you're doing it uh we love your faces uh, RJ, where can the people find you on the internet? Well, people, you can look me up on Facebook. Obviously, um, you can look up my own YouTube channel, RJ Smith. Um, I can send a link um, later on, but yeah. All right. And if you want to see me, you want to hear, you want to hear my voice, you want to, you want to see what I'm doing. Uh, we go on the Twitch Time Wasters every Wednesday at 7 p.m. for that team stream. We kind of change things up, so the only way you really know how to, how to get with us, how to hang with us, is your ring that bell for them notifications that you are front in line to whatever we're doing so you can hang out and chat make sure you join us on the youtube where you can find these podcasts facebook time wasters where you can find these podcasts podcast itunes app guess what time wasters where you can find this podcast but that ain't all i'm greedy i want your love everywhere production 1200 is where i'm at with the films so you go to Production 1200 on YouTube, you like them films, you subscribe to that channel, you go to the Facebook, you can talk to us, be like, man, y'all should make a film like this next. We might listen. I don't know. I like suggestions. Hey, check us out on Instagrizzles, where you can see pictures behind the scenes of everything. Ain't it amazing? Ain't God good. Yes, Lord. But that's it, man. That's the show. And we will see you next Tuesday after next for another edition of the Chit Chat Podcast. Peace with two fingers. We have top men working on it right now.
Who? Top men.